We're talking head coach rankings in the NFL here in the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. I do that topic with Ray Fittipaldo. Then we talk with Andrew Destin after another disappointing series for the Pittsburgh Pirates and them coming back home after a rough stretch and what needs to happen as the trade deadline approaches. All that and more here in the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast. A show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello, welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, breaking things down on all things Pittsburgh sports with our Pittsburgh Post-Gazette writers. You can find all the written work at post-gazette.com. You can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Again, this show's Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, but we have daily content that comes out from our Pittsburgh Post-Gazette writers on on all those apps. We're joined again by our man, Ray Fittipaldo, one of our esteemed Steelers beat writers here at the Post-Gazette. And Ray, we're going to take a step back. We're not going to delve into any stories we've written or lately or things that you're working on right now. I want to talk about a more of a global topic here. And that's something that got brought up by the Pro Football Network in there. They did a best head coaches rankings over the weekend. And it got some, you know, some arguments turned because it comes in and it pays a lot more respect to coaches with longer resumes, who've been around, who've held their jobs and held winning records. Because that's the other thing is that, you know, there's coaches that they've been around, but maybe they haven't had the most, the, you know, the, the best uh, the best winning percentages. Uh, and where Mike Tomlin fit in there. And I know this might surprise some people out there in the, in, in the, in the Pittsburgh world that, you know, think that Mike Tomlin has not done nearly enough in recent years. And that's certainly an argument. But these head coaching rankings from Pro Football Network uh, had Andy Reid at number one, no surprise there with his two Super Bowls in recent years. Bill Belichick at number two, no surprise there with his six Super Bowl championships as a head coach. But then Mike Tomlin is number three. And they they said, honestly, and right behind him was John Harbaugh at number four. But they said, honestly, it was more of like a coin flip for him and Harbaugh, which is funny enough considering their rivalry and their history. Uh, they've gone back and forth over the years, Ray. Uh, but in this top ten, you had Reed number one, Belichick number two, Tomlin number three, uh, Harbaugh number four, Kyle Shanahan from the 49ers at number five, Sean McVay of the Rams at number six, Doug Peterson of the Jaguars at number seven. He also was with the Eagles when they won their Super Bowl. Nick Sirianni, the current Eagles coach, at number eight. Sean McDermott from the Bills at nine. And Pete Carroll at number 10 from the Seahawks. Ray, when you hear that list, is Mike Tomlin in the right spot or is there being too much respect given to his past? No, I think, listen, Chris, if you're going to rank every coach like that and you are going to give credence to longer resumes and Super Bowls, I have no issue uh, with Mike Tomlin being number three. I, I think that's that's fine. The, the only surprise to me was Pete Carroll was number 10. And if you look at Pete Carroll in his tenure, um, maybe he's just had a few more down years than, than Mike Tomlin and Andy Reid and uh, Bill Belichick, but not many. I mean, they're back on the rise in Seattle. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're, you know, they're getting back to being a, a playoff caliber um, football team. So the way that the Pro Football Network did these rankings, I think it's fine. Um, they certainly didn't pull the Steelers fan base. I can tell you that much. The way the Pittsburgh <laughs> fan base gets on Mike Tomlin for what's happened um, really since the uh, you know since the AFC Championship game 
appearance in 2016. People are not forgiving of those playoff losses to the Jaguars, the Browns, and the Chiefs. But again, Chris, I don't, I don't know about you, but I have I have no issue with Mike Tomlin being ranked number three. I actually think it's it's deserving. I think it's deserving too, and especially because, like, let's talk about those guys behind him. John Harbaugh has had Lamar Jackson, an NFL MVP quarterback, and had things, and he hasn't. I mean, he hasn't gotten to the AFC Championship game yet with him, um, and that that's something there. Kyle Shanahan hasn't won a Super Bowl with the 49ers yet. Sean McVay did win a Super Bowl, but I think we're starting to see like now that they have they have kind of they're they're paying the dividends of selling out like trading away draft picks and signing guys for a whole bunch of money when and and stretching their cap in ways that's going to impact them for years to come. I think you're starting to see that on the flip side. So I'll be very interested to see how he continues. But even with all that selling out, Sean McVay has a worse winning percentage than Mike Tomlin, which is crazy. Mike Tomlin's winning percentage is is 63.6 or 636, you know, if you're doing the the baseball average type of thing. Um, But that that winning percentage, that's better than Bill Belichick – or no, excuse me, that's not better than Bill Belichick's lifetime. I apologize. It's better than John Harbaugh. It's better than Kyle Shanahan. It's better than Sean McVay. It's better than Doug Peterson. Uh, And it's it's the only people that, that have it better is Belichick, Sirianni, McDermott, uh, it's also better than, than Pete Carroll's and and uh, Matt Lafleur, who was ranked 12th on this list, and he had a ring spring percentage of uh, of 71.2. I, I look at this and I think like, and I know a lot of people would say, well, what's winning percentage matter if you don't win in the playoffs? And Mike Tomlin hasn't won in the playoffs in six years, but I think part of it is, you know, this is the the whole winning in the playoffs thing. It's always been about Super Bowls, I think, to a lot of people nationally. And like when you you remember Andy Reid for the longest time, it wasn't his problem wasn't playoff wins before Patrick Mahomes. His problem they didn't care if he didn't win a playoff game at all, or if he won three playoff games and didn't win two. The key was he didn't win a Super Bowl. And now that he's won two, he's shown hey that hump does not exist for me. I've I've been a great coach, just needed the right guy to get me there. And I think Mike Tomlin is in a position where you could say, look, over the past. Five years, the Steelers have been in a rebuild mode. I mean, 2018, like people talk about the Killer B era and that being, uh, you know, disappointing. But the right. Killer B era was really only 2013 to 2017 right. when Le'Veon Bell got there as a rookie. And even that year was the first year that Antonio Brown was starting to peak out. So the year was where they were able to kind of coalesce, 2014 was one of them. But when they lost the Ravens in the playoffs that year, Le'Veon Bell was hurt. The very next year, Le'Veon Bell missed most of the season. 2016 right. was kind of a year was 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 a year, and they got to the AFC Championship game. And then 2017 was you know the, the, the playoff loss to the Jaguars. So really, we're talking about two three years of a, of a window with those with, with those stars. And then of course 2018, Le'Veon Bell never shows up. Antonio Brown quits at the end of the season, um, and, and that's kind of the window that we were talking about for that crew. But since then in 2019, Ben Roethlisberger was hurt for the entire year. 2020, he came back and started off really hot, but wasn't, it wasn't that way in the second half of the season. They had no Antonio Brown. They had no Le'Veon Bell. They were kind of reforming what their defense was about to be. 2021 was the old man version of Ben Roethlisberger that right. you know, kind of finished his career. This year they had a rookie quarterback. And I look at that and that's not to make excuses, but reality, this Steelers team should have cratered at some point. There should have been some point where they dropped down and they had some of those really bad Pete Carroll seasons that drags his winning percentage down or had some of those really bad Doug Peterson seasons that he had that he got like when he got fired from the Eagles and it never happened how much credence do you think Mike Tomlin gets for that and how much do you think he deserves for that versus some of the recent success of other head coaches yeah I I think Chris it's a bigger storyline nationally 
with some of these national publications and websites than it was locally. But the whole non-losing season thing, uh, that's gotten a lot of traction nationally over the years. We saw it back in 2019 after Roethlisberger went down with the elbow injury and the way that season unfolded, they were winning. Uh, Tomlin found a way to win with, with Duck Hodges as his quarterback for, for much of that season. And they came this close to getting into the playoffs. They went down to Baltimore yeah. and uh, and lost the game. And they, they needed help to get in too. But, you know, they, they, they kind of petered out at the end there. But to, to, to finish 500 with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges as your quarterback, um, that was impressive. I, I will admit that. And, again, like you mentioned, at 20, um, 2020 and 2021, the older versions of Ben Roethlisberger just coming back, never he, – he was fine. He led some comebacks, but he was never the quarterback that he once was after elbow surgery. So, uh, you know, I, I give Mike Tallman a lot of respect for that. I understand where Steelers fans are coming from, certainly when you talk about the playoff defeats and, you know, the ones that stick out are the Jaguars games and the Browns game to me. Um, you got to find a way to win playoff games at home, Chris. And that's, that's I agree. the bottom line. Um, you know, the Chiefs playoff game on the road, I, they, they weren't going to win that game. If they if they pulled it, it would be the greatest upset, I think, in Steelers playoff yeah. history. Like, there was that brief moment where T.J. Watt scored that touchdown, and right. they were up 7-0, and I was like, what is happening? And then, oh, they, oh that's right, there, there's Patrick Mahomes and blowing yeah. it up. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, to me, can Mike Tomlin do better in the playoffs? Absolutely. But I, I think – when it comes to these national types of rankings, there are people out there who do this that uh, certainly put more credence on the uh, never finishing with the losing record thing than people, the fan base doesn't Pittsburgh. I think that's just a fact. I hear you on that. We're going to talk more about this topic and more about these rankings in just a second here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm Chris Carter. He's Ray Fittipato. Stick with us. We'll also talk some buckos at the end of the show with Andrew Destin, who was on the road for the Miami Marlins series. But before we do any of that, I want to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at GameTime.co. Buy tickets for your favorite events shouldn't be stressful, and that's where the GameTime app is here to help you buy tickets for all your favorite events, whether they're sports, music, comedy, theater events near you. You get killer deals on last-minute tickets, and you get their best price guarantee that can't be beat as so that you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have. The Game Time app allows you to book tickets up to the last minute for events that you, that, that you didn't even plan out or you found out at the last minute, and it gives you these, these exclusive flash deals on tickets for whatever events you could want to go to, whether it's a football game or a basketball game or a baseball game or concerts, comedy, theater events, all those and more are available when you download the Game Time app today. And the Game Time best price guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less in the same event, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. All you have to do is snag tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app today to your phone or mobile device. Create an account and use code PITTPIT, all capital letters, all one word, for $20 off your first purchase. And you can go to their website, GameTime.co, to get to get that as well. Terms and conditions apply. Create an account and redeem code PIT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. I want to revisit uh, here on the North Shore Drive podcast uh, with uh, talking NFL head coaching rankings with Ray Fittipaldo here. I'm your host, Chris Carter. I want to revisit this uh, Mike Tomlin in a second here, but I want to step out and let's talk about some of these other coaches that are, that are beneath him and guys who you might think 
should be ranking higher. I'm going to go down this list because they they did they didn't just do the top 10. They did all the way down to the bottom of the league, like the top the, the top 29 head coaches that weren't first year head coaches. But I'm going to go to about like 15 and and or, you know, I'll even go 16 because because Mike Brabel that throws in Mike Brabel. So, as I said before, Tom, Tomlin's at 3, under him is John Harbaugh at 4, Kyle Shanahan at 5, McVay at 6, Peterson at 7, Sirianni at 8. McDermott at nine, Carroll at 10. And then right behind him, Brian Dable after one nine and seven and one season with the Giants, but they got to the playoffs and got a big playoff win. So there's a lot of excitement there. He also won coach of the year for turning around uh, the Giants there. Matt LaFleur with the Green Bay Packers at number 12. He has an insane winning percentage at 71.2, 47 and 19 record over just a few years. But it's also, you know, he, he's just coming off an eight and nine season and he's not about to have Aaron Rodgers for the first time in his career. So we'll see how that happens. Sean Payton, who's now getting his next chance with the Denver Broncos at 13. He's at 630, 63.1 winning percentage. Mike McDaniel, after one season with the Dolphins, is at 14. Zach Taylor uh, with the Bengals is at 15. I know that might surprise people, but when you look at his overall resume, he still has a losing record as a head coach because of the, the beatings that they took in his first few years with the Bengals. And then at 16, you have Mike Brabel with the Titans with a 58.5 winning percentage. Mike McCarthy right under him with the Cowboys and, of course, his time with the Packers in a Super Bowl win. I see those names, Ray. Which one of those should be a lot higher or which one of those should be, you know, or is not getting, is getting too much respect? Yeah, I think I the, the two names that stand out to me for being too low, and this is just my, my gut reaction here, Sean Payton and Zach Taylor. And I think if you would have done these rankings when Sean Payton was still employed by the Saints, I think he would be higher on that list. So the fact that maybe he took a year or two off to go to television and now he's trying to rebuild the Broncos, I'm not sure how that plays into it. But he won a Super Bowl. And yeah. you can go down guys in the top ten that did not win a Super Bowl um, Kyle Shanahan did not, uh, McVay did, and I think eight, nine, and 10, did those guys win a Super Bowl? Um, those guys you mentioned, so. Eight, nine, ten, let me go back through it. Uh, so eight was Sirianni. Well, he just no. lost the Super Bowl, so no. Right. And he's only, he's only been a head coach for what, two seasons. So right. that's kind of, that's kind of tough. Uh, McDermott hasn't won a Super Bowl. Pete Carroll right. did win a Super Bowl. So, okay. um, so, so yeah. Three of the guys in the top 10 haven't won Super Bowls and Sean Payton did. So uh, again, if you're going to rank. You know, if you're going to give credit to, to longer resumes, then I'm mm. not sure why Sean Payton um, isn't isn't higher on that list. So that's my gut reaction to it. I think Zach Taylor, once he got a quarterback, he's proven to be a really good head coach. And, I mm-hmm. again, I, I think he is way too low on that list. I think I would even move him up. Uh, he beat Sean McDermott in the playoffs, right? I have no yeah. issue moving him above Sean McDermott, uh, McDermott to be honest with you. Uh, I also say it's four guys in the top ten because Kyle Shanahan's on the list and he hasn't won a Super Bowl. Um, Absolutely, but uh, but but to your point, I I, I kind of hear you on Zach Taylor. You know, he had one season that was bad with Joe Burrow when he got hurt, and then after that, they've been winners, and that that should be accounted for there. But Sean McDermott, um, that's an in, that's an interesting one because the Bills have been a powerhouse as far as you know. If we're comparing to Mike Tom, we talk about you know how playoff success impacts him. Sean McDermott. It should be on the same boat because they haven't made it to a Super Bowl yet, and they have Josh Allen and all in the Super Bowls. The Bills have been up there with the Chiefs the last three, four years, and that's really what McDermott's built his record on. And they haven't cracked the code yet. They 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 they've come close to beating the Chiefs. Uh, they uh, you know they they they've lost the Bengals and the Chiefs in the playoffs, but they haven't been able to get put that flag in. And I think that they're also in a position. And we've talked about this in other shows, Ray, but I, I think the Bills 
are in a position where if they don't win this year, maybe next year, that window is going they're, like they're going to lose Stephon Diggs. There are going to be a lot of players that they can't pay, and they'll still have Josh Allen. He'll still make them relevant, but they won't have the really strong roster they've had the last few years, and they're going to have to do some rebuilding, kind of like how the Steelers did in the early 2010s when they had Ben Roethlisberger, but they needed to replace guys on defense and guys on offense, and then 2014 they got back in the playoffs. I think the Bills are on the cusp of that, and that could also impact Sean McDermott's legacy because if he doesn't have a Super Bowl before they have to do that again. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. And that window um, will always be open when Josh Allen is your quarterback, but I think there's uh, there's smaller margin for error, both with the front office personnel decisions and your coaching on the field when you lose guy like Diggs. And they have a lot of aging players um, on defense too. Um, so I agree with you. The other two names on that list mm-hmm. that I think is a really good um, discussion is Kyle Shanahan, who is a disciple of Sean McVay, being higher on the list than, than McVay, who has a Super Bowl win, and Kyle right. Shanahan doesn't. Now, listen, I think Kyle Shanahan is a great head coach. Mm-hmm. You look at he, he got that team to the NFC Championship game last season. He was within, what, one Missed pass by Jimmy Garoppolo hitting uh, that deep ball in, in that Super Bowl against the Chiefs. If that's completed, he wins that game too. So they were this close to a Super Bowl. Who knows what would have happened in that championship game if his quarterbacks didn't disappear, um, you know, get injured in that game. So I, I I agree in some ways, but I think McVay, I think it's just interesting that one of McVay's disciples is higher on that list when McVay has a Super Bowl and Kyle Shanahan does not. And no, it is kind of wild. And it's also kind of wild because like I you know, at one point when like when uh uh when Shanahan was getting hired and then you had uh Cliff Kingsbury, it was like if you have if you were best friends, if you were if you went to band camp with Sean McVay, you could be an NFL head coach too. And uh and it's interesting to see how that's played out. It's worked for Kyle Shanahan uh in the sense that Again, a 531 win percentage, that's pretty good. Um, and and the, the success that he's had with the Niners, they haven't gotten over the hump and winning the Super Bowl. Um, but he gets that kind of respect. And that is interesting that he gets over Sean McVay. And maybe that's maybe there's some reasons he buys that there because of uh, like maybe this past year, they, the Rams were pretty bad and the, the Niners were pretty good. And uh, and if it wasn't for being down to their fourth string quarterback in the NFC Championship game, maybe they do make the Super Bowl and it's a rematch of Niners Chiefs uh, because it was Patrick Mahomes that took out the Niners in their in their one chance there. Um, so I, I, I feel you on that. But let's let's focus back on Mike Tomlin to finish this point here. What does Mike Tomlin have to do other than just bl- bl- like we can easily say, oh, yeah, just win a Super Bowl. Chris, that's how he'll move up the list. But what does he have to do specifically as far as his coaching and things that you see about him to either submit him at three right now? Because it's tough to pass over, you know, Bill Belichick and Randy Reed with a single season or anything like that. But but at least cement where he's at and have a chance to pass those guys in the future and maybe yeah. get those Super Bowl wins in the next however many years he's with the Steelers. Yeah, well, the the thing that pops into my mind is get your offensive coordinator position right. And I think as we sit here on June 26, 2023, um, we don't know the answer to that yet. Um, You know, listen, after Todd Haley left, after he was pushed out, we've had Randy Feekner, who was okay, but he didn't last very long. And then you have Matt Canada come in, who's really drawn a lot of criticism from, from the media and from the fan base for for what's transpired here the last couple of seasons. So I understand the circumstances, you know, with a new quarterback and an aging Ben Roethlisberger, 
Some people give him a pass for that. But um, eventually Mike Tomlin is going to have to have an offensive coordinator in place who can not only manage a game for him, but can win a game for him. And I just don't have the answer for you right now, Chris, whether Matt Canada is that guy or not. I think that story is to be determined. Yeah, I think it's interesting you say it that way, Ray, because there's like there's a lot of people that are like, it's not Matt Canada. They just need to fire him after this year and then get get another guy. But I'm right with you. Matt Canada has also come in at the tail end. We were talking about like the rebuilding structure and the years where, you know, we're counting as the killer bee era when the killer bees weren't around, literally. Um, and uh, you, you look at those years. Matt Canada's had to coach the Steelers through two of those seasons. One of those seasons was Ben Roethlisberger's final year when he clearly wasn't the same. And another one of those seasons was uh, was Kenny Pickett's rookie season when they started the year with Mitch Trubisky. So I, I do feel like Matt Canada gets a, a pass there, but not a pass that gets him past this season if he doesn't change things around. Again, I, we've talked about this before. This Steelers, this Steelers offense needs to rank in the top 16 bar, but bar minimum. Like if he, if they aren't in the top half of the league this year, I think Matt Canada's gone. But I even think if they're not ranked in the top 13 to 10, a, a, a top 10 maybe stretching it because that would be a ridiculously huge jump in a year. But I think he might need something like that to save his job because um, Mike Tomlin's fine. He, we're probably going to hear an extension notice about him any time of the next month or so with the right. Steelers. Mike Tomlin will be, you know, uh, you know, he'll be here as long as he wants to. And the way that I'm getting an impression is he really likes this core he has. So he's going to move forward with that. But I just, I just look at this and I think like Matt Canada, you're right. He, the, the Steelers need to get the, that position right, but he need, if he's going to be that guy for the Steelers moving forward, it has to be a really big jump this year that, that uh, proves that he's worth it. Hey, Chris, listen, the NFL stands for not for long, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone who is a consumer of NFL films and NFL history realizes that. And I think that's probably the case in 95% of the NFL cities out there. And it's the case with the Steelers too, but coaches, even assistant coaches, get longer leashes here in Pittsburgh because of the way that Rooney's operate, right? They like the continuity. They don't like changing coaches all the time. I mean, how many – organizations would have fired Matt Canada um, after one season or certainly through the first half of last season. So um, yeah, take that into account, but I think you're right. Um, This is a results driven business. If this offense doesn't approve a lot in 2023, uh, I think we'll be talking about a new offensive coordinator in 2024 for the Steelers. I hear you on that. Thank you, Ray, for all, all your chat in there. What do you guys think about Mike Tomlin? Is he ranked too high, too low, right in the right spot by Pro Football Network? We'll talk about that, that later on as the season st- gets started uh, in, the, in the next few months here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Thanks again to Ray for joining the show. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking about Pirates baseball and the struggles that they have. Andrew Destin was there for the road trip against the Miami Marlins. He has his thoughts on how that series went and the picture that they got and what's all the next moves for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Stick here with the North Shore Drive podcast i'm your host chris carter we'll be right back we're back here in the north shore drive podcast i'm your host chris carter we switched to the buckos where andrew destin now for those who might be confused andrew is recording this in miami but we recorded this on sunday evening uh whereas ray and i recorded monday morning so we're splitting it up a little bit but Andrew, you covered a four-game series out in Miami. The Pirates were able to stop their 10-game losing streak, but then they lost the two ones right after that one. They've lost, what, 
12 of their last 13 games. And this last one was 0-2. And yet again, the Pirates' bats were just very quiet. What happened in this game? Wow, where to start? Well, first, I'll I'll say this, right? When you're talking about baseball in a vacuum, it's hard to sometimes ignore some of those larger trends. And one of them that comes to mind for me is um, the starter for the Marlins, you know, Yuri Perez. Uh, This is a guy who very well might win National League Rookie of the Year. This guy's tremendous. Um, Coming into the game, his last five starts, um, you know, spanning 27 innings, he'd only given up one earned run. So now over the last, including the six scoreless he pitched against the Pirates, 33 innings, one earned run given up. He's legit, right? This is a guy who's a bona fide, big time, next big thing in baseball starter. The Pirates just couldn't get anything against him. You know, they, they did whatever they tried in the batter's box, just didn't work to their advantage. Um, and they wasted away another tremendous start from one of their starting pitchers. On Saturday night, it was Luis Ortiz setting a new career high with eight innings pitched. Uh, on Thursday night, it was Mitch Keller matching blow for blow with Braxton Garrett. Um, and tonight, or Sunday night, excuse me, it's blowing a Johan Oviedo seven-inning one-earned run start where the only, really the only bad pitch he makes all day is serving up a 3-2 slider to Jonathan Davis that he hits for a home run. The bats didn't wake up. They faced a really good pitcher, but it's part of a bigger theme that the Pirates, I mean, the last three games, they've faced three starting pitchers. They haven't scored one run off of any of those three. 18 scoreless innings against starting pitching. That's not I mean, going to do it. <laughs> and that's, that's what I wanted to get to next, Andrew. What is it about the bats? Is it, you know, is it just the play? Are the players just not good enough? And I know that they're missing O'Neill Cruz and Brian Reynolds and Jimin Choi, and they're they're missing talent. Like there's there's no question about that. And you look at like the just just the the box score of what happened, even just on Sunday. Kutch goes two for four. Uh, Places gets gets one of four. Henry Davis gets a hit. Marcano gets a hit. But everyone else, Jack Sawinski has just been ice cold uh, for so long. I, I forget what even how many at bats it's been for him at this 29. point. 29. 29 straight at bats without a hit, and that's just insane to yeah. see. Because at one point, he was kind of a hero for the Pirates, uh, the way the way he was playing. But what is it? Is it just the personnel? Is it coaching? What is behind what the Pirate, what's going so wrong for the Pirates? I think it's a cluster of a lot of different things, right? You could point to coaching. You could say that the approach that's being put in place by hitting coach Andy Haynes maybe isn't up to snuff of what it needs to be. But I think the criticism really just needs to be directed at the the personnel. And this is not me by any means trying to attack any one individual or attack anybody like that. We're just talking about performances. And I'll just run you through some numbers, right? We just mentioned Jack Swinski, 0 for his last 29. Um, Rodolfo Castro, 0 for his last 18. Austin Hedges, 0 for his last 17. Jiwon Bay, 0 for his last 22. Combined, those four are 0 for their last 86. Um that's not getting it done, right? <laughs> like, you can say whatever you want about a hitting approach, a hitting coach, whatever it may be. But at some point, it just becomes uh, – and, you know, Derek Shelton said a post game today. It's like at some point, the guys who are getting the opportunities have to produce. This is the big leagues. At some point, you run through your opportunities, and you got to give it up to the next guy. There's a reason Nick, got, Nick Gonzalez got called up a couple of games ago. There's a reason Henry Davis is here. There's a reason that people are still clamoring for Andy Rodriguez. The group that's here has not been doing a good enough job. And, yeah, it would be great for Brian Reynolds' stint on the IL to be quick and for O'Neill Cruz to get back sooner rather than later and that it's a good sign that G-Man Choi is rehabbing in Altoona. But at some point you have to point the fingers at the guys who are here, the guys who are in the lineup day in and day out, who aren't doing a good enough job, and maybe think 
maybe it's time for Rodolfo Castro to, you know, just to float this idea. Maybe it's time to get him more consistent ABs and AAA because right now you're doing the platoon thing where he's getting some starts, but um, like today he starts at third because Key Brian Hayes is dealing with a lower back issue, um, you know, and that's just a, a spot start for him. But Castro has been in and out of the lineup because of the splits against lefty, lefties versus righties. Bay has kind of been taking a lot of those reps. Um, you know, Sawinski is now you know basically unplayable against lefties, or at least that's kind of what has been deemed by the the management here. So um, at some point, I think it's just you got to bring up fresh blood. You got to bring up new guys. And you know, you had Cal Mitchell up here for a little bit. I'm not saying he's the answer by any means, but like they've made some of these moves because they're as aware as any of us are that the group that here is here is not getting it done. So. You know, there's a day off Monday. Uh, who knows? It could be a very different group of Pirates come Tuesday. Who knows? So we look at we were looking at the Pirates and what they need to do. And you know, one thing the Pirates have, have made clear, like they'll they're keeping their options open as far as trade possibilities going into the deadline. And they said like they'll be informed by their like how they do over the next stretch of weeks or so. But uh, they they made it. They made a trade. They acquired a right-handed pitcher, a relief, or excuse me, a relief pitcher. Uh, Andre Andre Jackson from the Dodgers. Uh, I believe he's going to AAA. Uh, yeah. He's a guy with like six point six two ERA. But it's like they they made this move and they got him for cash. What is what do you expect out of the Pirates management and how they're going to handle this going? Because we kind we kind of touched on this before last week, but sure. it, it, it just just look more and more like this team's going to be selling and just bringing up their young guys. Yeah, you're never going to hear a front office guy like a Charrington directly say it, right? They're never going to full on, full force say, yep, we are sellers, right? Nobody's ever that direct, um, right. but, all, but all signs point to it. I mean, this Andre Jackson trade, it's nice in the sense that the arms in AAA and then the bullpen arms and the bigs, I mean, they're down to the scraps right now. I mean, they get Ryan Barucki up here who they just got him, you know, about a week or so ago. He was discarded from the Cubs, like... This is not the bullpen that was expected at the beginning of the year. You got Chase DeYoung and Dwayne Underwood Jr. in AAA. Those are guys who were on your big league roster to start. Will Crow hasn't pitched in forever. Um, you know, Rob Strisney's still hurt. Colin Holderman's still hurt. Um, Jose Hernandez is hurt. Like, this bullpen is hurt, right? Like, there's no two ways around it. So what this signing is or this trade, all this is is just to provide depth, right? And I think that's the kind of trades we're going to be seeing here is – can you get a guy like an Andre Jackson who at some point in time the Dodgers thought highly of and baseball logic would tell you that if the Dodgers think highly of a guy, then go out and get him because if the Dodgers, the Rays, uh, you know, the Astros, if these teams that are, you know, at the forefront, the cutting edge franchises, if they think highly of a guy, then, you know, getting one of their guys can never be a bad idea. That's all that this feels like to me. And in terms of what that means uh, on a grander theme for what other trades the Pirates might be making here, Selling seems like it has to be the way to go, and you know, eventually that's going to mean that you're going to get your Quinn Priesters up to the big leagues, though the pitching isn't, you know, that's not the concern from the starting rotation right now, certainly, but let's say, hypothetically, you do deal a Rich Hill, that probably necessitates a, a Quinn Priester to be called up, and Oswaldo Bito has done well through three starts, but, you know, he's Oswaldo Bito, who's somebody that they like what they're getting from him right now, but was never that heralded top prospect, um, and again, you know, we touched on it earlier in the pod, but just, you know, what you're getting from the offense across the board, middle infield, um, the outfield right now, they've been mixing and matching, trying different guys like Kanan Smith and Jigba, putting Cal Mitchell up here for a little bit with Reynolds Hurt. Like, I think they're going to try, guys, because the reality is that this season, the way that it's trending right now, 
with the Pirates after losing, you know, your 12 out of 13. This team's 35 and 42 now. They're inching closer to being right there with the St. Louis Cardinals in the cellar of the NL Central. Meanwhile, the Cincinnati Reds, they've turned to the youth movement. And how's that going for them? It's going pretty well, I'd say. Going pretty well right <laughs> yeah. now. Can't hurt yeah, to try. It's kind of crazy <laughs> to think about that uh, with how things have gone for the Pirates and that it, things were looking like they could go a certain way and they have gone the other way for the Pirates. Uh, he's Andrew Destin. He's been in Miami covering the series. He'll be back in Pittsburgh very soon. We'll get more of your coverage along with Jason Mackey, who'll be, who'll be on it. We'll see how the Pirates continue with their games upcoming. Thanks again, Andrew, and thanks again to Ray Fittipaldo for talking Steelers with me here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Uh, find this show and all of our shows on our on your favorite podcasting app and on YouTube by just searching the post because sports or you can look for the north shore drive podcast which comes out monday wednesdays and fridays as well as all of the daily content that comes out from the pittsburgh post gazette and read all of our work at post-gazette.com back wednesday with more here on pittsburgh sports here on the north shore drive podcast thanks for tuning in to another episode of the north shore drive podcast of the pittsburgh post gazette if you're watching this video on youtube please like the video and subscribe to our youtube channel for six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just six dollars Click the link down below in the description.